This is a Stimulus Network podcast. Hello and welcome back to For What It's Earth. I say back because this is part two of our plastics episode. So if you haven't listened to part one, hop on back to wherever it is that you're listening to your podcast and go and listen to part one first. Otherwise you just get spoilers. Totally. We don't want any spoilers. So go back and we'll see you in a little bit. But for those of you that have listened to part one, hello and welcome back. We're going to dive back into the rest of our chat about plastics. So we've explained why plastics are presenting lots of problems. We have. Now we're back. And we're going to look at what can be done. Yes, let's look forward. Let's look forward indeed. So one thing we thought would be fun to kind of kick off with is having a look at the plastic bottle deposit scheme that's coming into effect in the UK. So about a year ago, we kind of said that this would happen. Um, You would be able to purchase a plastic bottle and then you'd be rewarded for taking it back to the store, putting it in a recycling, reverse recycling vending machine, some of them are called. And then you'd get like a little bit of money back for it. So like 15p or something. And yeah, it does sound great. It does sound great. It's worked massively in places like Norway. And the whole point is to really encourage like widespread recycling. So in Norway, their recycling rate is like, I think it's 97%. Which is amazing. Guess what ours is in the UK? Um, Less than 97. (laughs) I'd be impressed if it was more. Uh, 43. 43%. It's a bit bit sad, isn't it? It's not 43%. Right. No. Um, and that's 43% of the 13 billion plastic bottles that are sold in the UK every year. That makes it sound worse. Like 43, you sort of, sort of, thought, you sort of thought, yeah, okay, just just under half, got, mm. got good, good room to improve. But yeah, when you say individually how many bottles? Wait for it. Oh no. Every day, that's 700,000 which end up as litter. Oh, so not, not recycled, just... Just probably on their way to the ocean somehow. Just yeah. like chucked out of a car, left places, put in the bin, whatever. Or just so we can have good. Dr Pepper on the way to work. Oh, I don't even like I Dr. don't Dr. have Pepper. Dr Pepper. Nor, nor do I drink Dr Pepper on the way to work. It's too early. Oh, it's horrible stuff. <laughs> Sorry, Dr Pepper. Um, <laughs> now, like I said, about a year ago, uh, the UK kind of said, OK, we're going to probably think about doing this. So they've been running trials. Great. Ooh. And they've been running trials in Tesco and in Iceland. Uh, the store, not the country. and <laughs> Yeah, let's export our trials somewhere else. Here you go. So they've had five Iceland stores, for example, which have been running this scheme. And in the in the time that it's been running, which hasn't been very long, they've had, now watch me butcher my numbers, 311,500 plastic bottles returned into these five stores. Just from five stores? Yeah, which is pretty excellent, isn't it? It's enough to show that consumer behaviour is willing yeah, yeah, to do yeah. that but and is up for actually, it. People actually want to recycle their stuff, even if that's not every single person who shopped in those stores or every single person who bought the bottles. It's still no, a really healthy number, enough. I think, yeah. for a, especially because with things like that early on, it's going to be a slow uptake anyway. If you not only scale up to more stores, but also over time, people will do that out of habit. Here's hoping. But I think, yeah, definitely the 15p that you get back is a big motivator for a lot of people. But you know what? Even if that's how we're motivating people it's fine we're still getting a good result at the end of it but there's a flip side okay all sounds shiny and good my argument and the argument of quite a few environmental uh campaign groups is that okay great yeah it encourages recycling rates but it is not tackling 
the root of the problem. It is not stopping us from purchasing plastic and it is not stopping us from creating virgin plastic because we're still feeding yeah. the plastic bottle empire, as so I will call it. It's to false security that, oh, it's fine, these systems are in place for me to recycle. Yeah. Oh, I'll just keep going, all good. Yeah, the, my habits are better. Technically, they are slightly better, but they're not enough. That's my argument. I think it's, it's a bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card, really. Yeah. You're like, okay, cool, I've done my part, but... Mm. Because also, as we heard in a recycling episode, yeah, that's... Genuinely, when you recycle the plastic, it goes almost like down a level, doesn't it? Yeah, you can only recycle plastic so many times, I think. But yeah, so it's kind of proved that the scheme has legs and we're hoping that it'll go. But it's also been in the news again recently, which is why I wanted to bring it up again today. Um, Because they're kind of, they're still debating how, like the kind of logistics of the scheme, right? So retailers who are going to be having the store, having these vending machines in their stores are arguing that um, they only want small plastic bottles to be recycled because it's easier for them. And, you know, it's the bulk of our consumption anyway and the bulk of our litter are these, like, one-off, yeah. once-a-drink, like, bottle of Coke or Dr Pepper, if that's what you like, apparently. <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're kind of saying, well, that's the majority, so let's only do that. And environmental groups and, and a lot of people are just kind of saying, oh, for goodness sake, let's just do it properly from the offset. Yeah, because there are already countries that, like I said, Norway, do it. Yeah. They know how to do it copy and paste it's not new technology let's just do it properly yeah instead of only tackling one facet of plastic let's just make it easily available for us to do more of and the more you confuse a consumer by saying this can this can't this size is good this yeah. size is bad people won't bother Pe- people won't bother if, if it's just a blanket thing so yeah bring it back recycle it they just think great everyone knows to do that it's part of the habit yeah easy so that's quite good anyway hopefully yeah, it all comes into that habit change, but also that's sort of, like you said, that's not a solution. It, it should be a part, a package of solutions. Mm-hmm. Like for example, one really successful thing uh, was the five p plastic bag charge in the UK. Yes, uh, I'm aware that they've got plastic bag charges in other countries, uh, not just the UK, but obviously, like I said, we're just going to focus on us for now. So the five p charge, how big a drop do you think? In plastic bag usage? Uh, you know what? I would say it's probably fairly significant because I personally would say even though it's only 5p, I flat out refuse to use them. I'll so try and carry stuff. Brain, is it, that just says, oh, yeah. think Which, about this. Yeah. And then also when you go to check out some stuff, bags aren't as easily visible or there. Like, oh, I, I think it's that as well, yeah. I, I, reckon, yeah, I reckon it's had a big impact. It I, has. 86% drop in plastic bag usage Brilliant. in the UK. Yeah, fantastic. That's, that's amazing. And to put that into uh, context for each and every one of us, prior to the 5p charge, uh, it was around 140 plastic bags per person per year sold Whoa. in the UK. Following that charge, it dropped to 19 bags per person per year oh my God. in the UK. Well, that's brilliant. That's what, like one and a half bags a month? Yeah. That's great. That is such a big drop. Well done, UK. Well, well, well done. It's amazing how much 5p will motivate us to think differently about our consumer habits. Exactly. But they're actually now uh, talking about a 10p charge. Okay. Which is really interesting. Uh, I think the, cons- the public consultation for that has just finished at end of February 2019. Okay. But the 5p charge was supposed to be for big businesses... And then small and medium 
businesses could opt in, which I think a lot of them did, which is why I'm sure a lot of us have gone to smaller places and still been charged. Yep. Uh, but now I think it would be mandatory across the board and also the charge would go up to 10B to see if we can reduce that even further. Great. So let's see what happens. I reckon that'll, that'll top I think, it I mean, can you remember when it first came in and there was... People were weirdly resistant to it. People were so angry. But now I just didn't question it. I mean, at the time, there was even uh, some Facebook posts going around saying it was a conspiracy that uh, companies were going to make you advertise for them because you had to buy their bags for life and they legally couldn't do that. <laughs> it, was, it was really odd. Like, there were some ridiculous. weird objections. But that was for about two, three weeks and then everyone was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And now it's just a completely accepted part and you almost get like shamed for asking for a plastic bag. Yeah, which is quite reassuring that you know some things maybe seem a bit far off but they can quite easily become habit become the norm exactly well great so we just said that the public consultation on that has ended yes but there is one currently which hasn't ended has it no it's true um the uk government is consulting at the moment on whether to introduce and how to introduce a tax on plastic packaging from companies Mm mm-hmm so the idea would be if a company makes a product that the packaging or perhaps the product itself, but I think mainly the packaging, okay. um, is particularly difficult to recycle uh, or can't be recycled, then they pay a tax. Right. Uh, I think good. the number is something like if it's less than 30% recycled plastic. Okay, that's the threshold for being yeah. taxed. Okay. Uh, which sounds good. Does sound good. Uh, I definitely recommend people going on to the government website, DEFRA. Uh, we will provide a link to that. Yes. And you can, like, you don't have to be in business. You can be in business. You can be a stakeholder or shareholder or other sort of holders. Any form or of important person. Do, <laughs> anyone, like, you can be a member of the public and you can log on and give your opinion on it. And I think it'd be really cool if people listening to this did go on. Yeah. It'll take you a couple of minutes just to say, yeah, great, let's do this because... Yeah, we're all for uh, this. Uh, we're behind this. It's really cool to think that actually there is a way that we can sort of influence or inform policy, sort of. Yeah, we, we, it seems a bit far in away. In a very minor way, we could, we could kind of do something. Yeah, so that consultation ends, I think it's midnight on the 12th of May. Yeah. So you've got until then. If you fancy it, crack on, yeah. Yeah, and like I said, we'll post a link for you. Yep. So we talked a lot about um, plastics that are traditionally made from oil. Yes, petroleum-based plastics. Petroleum-based plastics. Chemistry. But now, <laughs> in the last couple of years, biodegradable plastics have become a thing. They have, especially if you're out in the pub in the summer or you're at a festival. Yeah, yeah, they give you biodegradable cups. Yeah, yes, you're right. Because they don't want to give you glass. And they're trying to prove that they're wholesome. Yeah. So they've got biodegradable plastic. Which is great, right? It sounds... Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely. I like seeing the little sign on my pint saying, Yeah, yeah. I'm biodegradable, don't worry about me. And it's kind of like, excellent. And it's a really nice step in the right direction. Um, but the flip side of biodegradable plastic, actually, first of all, I'll say that a lot of biodegradable plastics, the main type we talk about is PLA, yes. which is polylactic acid, mm-hmm. which is derived from cornstarch. Yes. So grown in fields. Yeah. Lovely jubbly. Done. Natural products. And the idea is it biodegrades at the end, which means it can be broken down by living organisms. Yeah. In this case, bacteria. But the problem is that, yes, it can, but you need a very particular set of circumstances in which to do it. And the problem is it's quite high energy. Oh, is it? Yes. So you need to put your biodegradable plastics when you're done with them, if you know you want to break them down to whatever, 
You need 60 degrees Celsius temperature. Yeah. No oxygen. Lovely. And it takes up to 90 days. For it to biodegrade. For, for it to biodegrade. Wow. So that takes energy. And the thing is, a lot of councils actually don't have the capacity to do it. So it's like, so depending on where you are in the country, you might buy these biodegrade plastic things, throw them away. It's not guaranteeing it's actually going to do anything. No. So you need to know where you're taking it after. You can't just put it on your compost heap. It's not like if you've got an apple core and you throw it into the bushes, it's going to decompose. Yeah, because it's, it's still not natural product in the sense that it's not grown in the form that it finally is in when we reach yeah. it. That's Yeah, that's right. So basically, if you put it in landfill, it's not meeting those required conditions, is it? And it's just not going to biodegrade. It'll take exactly the same amount of time or thereabouts exactly to break down time. as um, petroleum-based plastics will do. Which so although like companies will feel... Years or something. Yeah, yeah, about yeah. 500 years. So although companies will feel like they're doing their part, or you might even feel like, oh, great, this is a lovely solution. It's kind of not the be-all and end-all. It could be great if we you know, in the UK have a lot more facilities that are able to take on this stuff. If that technology is more widespread and we can actually biodegrade stuff, great. But at the moment, the facilities aren't really there yet. Um, that needs to be worked on, I think, for this to become a really viable tool. This is a, it's, it's almost a bit of a catch two situation where perhaps councils won't invest in that technology unless there's a lot of biodegradable plastics mm, true. to biodegrade. Yeah. But if if people keep buying it, then there's no for it to go so people aren't necessarily going to buy it. i don't know yeah yeah it's a tough one we'll be interested to see how that pans out i'd like that to expand certainly yeah and it sort of ties I'm into that board. thing of like a spectrum of options i suppose that's yes. available to that's us that's true yeah not one solution to everything is there no so scaling up should we look at the world we've gone from oh, the uk go global let's go global so one very cool thing. So I think a lot of the stuff that we spoke about in episode one was like marine plastics that came up quite a lot. Yes, it um, is. Because it's very trendy and it's in the news all the time and everyone, you know, reacts terribly to pictures of seabirds that have consumed plastic. Uh, and rightly so, but... Of course. Yeah. Anyway, I'm rambling. One guy who came up with a really interesting idea for cleaning up the ocean. Basically, there's... Oh, we haven't even mentioned, mentioned Plastic Island. So... In the ocean, the way ocean currents work is you have these things called gyres, which are big sweeping circular currents which extend quite deep. But things like plastic, which are just kind of floating and have, don't have any of their own kind of method of propulsion, get swept into these gyres and it basically collects everything. And it's kind of provided a space where so much of the ocean plastic is collected. It's, it's, it's known as Plastic Island. It's three times the size of France, I think. Three wow. times the size of France. Yeah, that, that sounds... It's a lot of France. Oh, right. <laughs> it's a lot of France. And it's a lot of plastic. And it's not just on the surface. It extends really deep into the ocean. And so this thing called the Ocean Cleanup Project arose, right? I think it was a guy about our age who yeah, envisaged it. He like, dropped out of uni yeah, to create this. And essentially what it is, is some massive boats with a long, almost worm-like kind of sausage... Um, that extends between the you, two. You can't see Emma's Google hand it. movements. So she's <laughs> extending them out to try and imitate this this sausage. I'm trying to paint a picture on a very <laughs> non-visual medium. Um, that goes out into the ocean towards the gyre. And the general gist of it is it's providing almost like a coastline where there isn't a coastline. Because if you're at a coastline, plastic sweeps up onto it. Whereas if you're in the middle of the ocean, there isn't anything for it to sweep up onto or, or a place for it to collect other than in these yeah. gyres. So... 
the whole point is kind of it's, it's essentially going to try and scoop it, collect it, and then once it's collected it, actually remove it. Which sounds like a great idea. It does. And it's set off, I think, from San Francisco in September or something. It's kind of on its like final stage yeah, yeah. now. And safe to say, it, it maybe hasn't been as successful as they wanted. A lot of the plastic, I think, has maybe escaped after it's been collected. Escaped makes it sound like it's got a personality yeah. that's on the run. <laughs> but um, it hasn't it hasn't been the kind of be-all and end-all, all-singing-all dancing thing. Yeah, which is, I think is a point some people were making at the time. Yeah. In that you're almost taking the responsibility off people and saying, oh, now we've got technology, we can solve it, it'll be fine. Yeah, which is not what we want to kind of... And I think you said it's set off from San Francisco. I think it's gone back to Hawaii since oh, has it? for repairs because I think it had some problems, Yeah, like I said, with plastic getting swept up or stuck. There are, there are other arguments which say that the weight's going to be a problem when it really sweeps up a lot of stuff. People have suggested that it might harm wildlife to get yeah. caught up in it because obviously it's basically... A... It's quite slow moving. So yeah. large, the argument, I think, was that large marine organisms, a bit like whales and stuff, would be able to move out of the way. Yeah. But then, you know, you, you get things like your jellyfish, which That's true. can't really see what's going on and just become bycatch almost. Yes, yeah, so there's no definitive answer either way yeah um, whether and it's... i don't know enough about it to come down one side or the other <laughs> no me neither uh, <laughs> but i think i think the whole reason we wanted to mention it on this podcast was because it's really cool to see that technology is being trialed to try and tackle yeah there are it's never going to be perfect first time like we we're going to learn from it we're not we, we, we can't push the problem onto other people and assume there's technology that's going to deal with it like we still have to make changes ourselves mm. but it's great to see there are individuals, there are companies that are trying to do something about this. Definitely. Speaking of individuals that are trying to do some stuff, I, um, I'm i afraid I audio cheated on you this week, Lloyd. I took my microphones what? and I went to go and speak to... What? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I went to go and speak to the lovely Libby Bowles. Now, she has done some very cool things uh, and she is an example of one person who has really tried to make a bit of a difference to people's attitudes towards plastics. So I'm going to play you a little clip of that now. Hi, my name's Libby and I am a marine conservationist and educator. So Libby, last year you did something pretty cool, right? I certainly did. In the summer of 2017, I built myself a bamboo bicycle and uh, travelled all around New Zealand on it, talking in schools about the ocean pollution problem and single-use plastics. So I left the UK in October 2017 and then headed over to New Zealand. I started in Auckland, um, cycled up to the top of New Zealand and then all the way down to the bottom of New Zealand, stopping and giving 105 talks at 65 different schools. New Zealand was only a week behind the UK and watching Blue Planet 2. Oh, so really? I arrived in the middle of the series being aired. And so it was just the absolute perfect time to kind of pitch up saying, hi, I'm here to talk about ocean plastics and I will come into your school and I have six years experience teaching in primary schools and six years experience working as a marine conservation biologist. And I really want to come and present this to children in a way that's accessible, explains what the problem is, why we need to change our consumer behavior and what it is that children can do. So my talk was very much about empowering children to realize that actually they've got the power to change the world as they are now. They don't need to wait until they're adults to make big changes, which I think is is 
what we should be telling children. If we're not filling children with the belief that they can change the world now, then we are doing something really, really wrong and we're missing a trick. And what impact did you see while you were out there from the children? So on a kind of personal anecdotal level, there was one little boy who I'd spoken at his school and he he was walking into a cafe. And so I went into the cafe and watched as this huge hearted five year old little child, Archie, marched up to the counter and he waited for his turn. And when he got to the counter, he said, I want some orange juice, please. But I don't want a straw because I really love turtles and I don't want my straw to end up in the sea by mistake and kill a turtle. And it was just absolutely amazing because what happened next shows that you don't have to go and clear up every beach you don't have to boss people around to make a really big impact and a a huge difference so he kind of said this in this very kind of heartfelt way and the three people who were waiting in the queue behind him all said no straw thanks when they got to the front of the queue the following week the school relayed to me that he'd gone back into that cafe and the guy who was serving him remembered him and said, I remember you, you don't want a straw because you like turtles. And he said, yes, but I've been thinking and I'd like to see the manager, please. And so the the waiter said, oh, okay, and went off and brought out the manager. And she said to him, oh, you know, I, I believe you're in here talking about straws. How can I help you? And he just said, I love your cafe, but would it be possible for you to use paper straws? Because then nobody who comes into your cafe will be using plastic straws that could end up in the sea by mistake. So this lady was amazing. And basically, they changed to using paper straws in this cafe. So a five-year-old with just a big open heart can make a huge impact. And I, I really think that if an adult walked in and said the same thing, it wouldn't have the same effect at all so I think that's a really important story and one that I tell in all of my talks because all of the children think well he's five and he made a really positive difference if I start doing things like that that are really easy then I can help affect people around me and if everybody's making a difference in their local community then we'll end up with worldwide change brilliant I love that that's so nice to see and what was it that inspired you to do the trip in the first place Well, I had, as I said, worked in marine conservation biology for around five or six years. And I spent three years working for Dr. Andrea Marshall in her research centre in Mozambique. And it was on a trip diving with these uh, amazing manta rays that I just had this life changing moment where there was four reef mantas, the smaller species swimming around us, and they were circling and, and feeding. And what they were actually swimming in was a big plastic soup and there was cups and crisp packets and you could easily identify what these items were. And these animals were swimming around trying to eat plankton, which is the smallest, you know, the smallest animals and plants in the sea. But I just had this moment of thinking, everyone needs to know about this. If people knew what was happening with plastic when it ends up in the sea, I really believe that people would change their consumer behaviour. And I think that children are a great place to start because adults already have that kind of addiction to the convenience of single-use plastic. So I find that by going and talking to children who are not kind of pinned down by that convenience addiction, you can make a really big difference because they will go home and and talk to their families and maybe change their shopping behaviour. What would you say to people who say, you know what, plastic doesn't degrade there's already so much of it in the environment it's gone too far I can't be bothered 
There are lots of people who say that. There are. And it is very depressing when you look at the whole overwhelming picture and you just think, what difference can I make? So that was where I kind of started. But as the wonderful Margaret Mead said, the only thing that's ever changed the world (laughs) is a small group of people trying to make a difference. And so I just kind of really think about it like that. And um, Dr. Jane Goodall set up a foundation, the Roots and Shoots Foundation. And the premise of her foundation, I think, is brilliant, which is that if everybody all around the world is making difference in their own community, that leads to global change. So sure, I'm not going to stop the entire world using single-use plastic, but if I can speak to as many children as possible, then they will go out and be little ambassadors of change, and they're the ones who are going to be paying for what we've done to the planet. So I think that's a great place to start. Well, she is, that, that was really cool. Yeah, and I'll, I'll forgive the audio cheating. I'm so sorry. That was that was worth it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah, she was amazing to meet. Actually, she was really good fun. Um, but she kind of ties it nicely in that she's one individual who's made a big impact. I'm not expecting all of us to make a bamboo bicycle and cycle around the world. Speak for yourself. Okay, I look forward to um, following your travels when you do that. <laughs> um, but there are heaps of things that you and I can do, right? So we're going to kind of oh, yeah. give you guys a bit of a, a list of stuff. A so, to-do list, if you will. Yeah, no. we'll just start off. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so let's start with... Well, let's stay on the marine theme, I suppose, almost. Yeah. Um, and we'll start with beach cleans. Yes, beach cleans. So um, around the country, you can get involved with cleanups on your local beaches. Uh, there are groups like Surface Against Sewage, uh, I think the Wildlife Trusts, Marine yeah. Conservation Society. Beach Guardians. Oh, there we Two-minute beach clean. There are so many. If you live anywhere near the coast... Um, oh. You can join in yeah, a session. They often run them um, where you can join other people and you kind of literally just go and clean a beach. Yeah. And it's great. Sounds very wholesome. But then also, you know, I went for a walk with my family back home in Dorset a couple of weeks ago and Two Minute Beach Clean had paired up with the National Trust and they had a, like a board explaining what the Two Minute Beach Clean was and they were giving out plastic bags, <clears throat> hold, hold with me, for you to take onto the beach to collect litter and then they said you could also post the plastic bag back into the board for them to recycle but i think the general thought was this one plastic bag equals one entire bag's worth of trash removed from the beach so it's a small amount of plastic for the stuff you're taking out of the environment yeah and they had litter pickers as well attached to the sign if you wanted to borrow a litter picker which i thought would be quite a fun way to engage kids if you were just going for a walk with you with your kids yeah I, I think it meant like jousting or something with the displays. Oh, all that. Yeah, that's, you know, quite an insight into Lloyd's beach habits. I just really like my summer holidays. But, um, but yeah, that was quite cool. Actually, as well, this is quite funny, quite topical. Someone tweeted us last week or fairly recently. Um, and it's a company in Scotland who use aerial photography to map like litter in undiscovered parts of the coastline. So, you'd, so cool. It's amazing. So basically the theory is you would go to the beach and you'll see litter there. But there are so many hidden nooks and crannies in Scotland's coastline and indeed the whole of the UK, which litter will sweep up on and plastic will just accumulate on. But because people don't go there or don't see it, it's just going to remain there. So yeah, they were literally using aerial photography to be like, OK, cool. This is where we need to target on our next volunteer beach clean. I thought that was really cool. That so well done to really them. Really awesome. Yeah, really clever. Yeah. And, and following on from that... Uh, I've been seeing more and more things on Twitter lately uh, because I'm a tweeter, don't you know? And some... <laughs> wow. 
Oh, moving on. Uh, <laughs> like, there are some really nice uh, tweets of people taking a bag with them on their walk to work or they're just walking around the countryside. Like, you don't have to be by a beach. No. Um, and just taking like a, a pair of gloves so they don't have to pick things up themselves. But yeah, just picking up plastic and litter in general as they go along. Yeah. Obviously, we'd, be, we'd say we'd stress be careful of what you're picking up. Do it safely, yeah. Uh, do it safely. If you see any but... needles, don't touch them. Yeah, but, um, absolutely. Actually, you know what? First aid 101. <laughs> we do that. Um, so my partner and I have got a, a, a kayak, like a blow-up inflatable kayak, and we live near the River Avon. So in the summer, and in the winter too, to be fair, it's a nice day, we tend to go for kayaks because it's a really nice way to be outside. And we do. We pick up random crap that's in the river. <laughs> I but thought you were going to say you pick up things... needles and pop the kayak by accident or something. Uh, no, that has not yet happened. <laughs> <laughs> but like things like bread bags, where people have fed the ducks and chucked a bread bag in the river. Like, come on, guys. Feed the ducks, kill the ducks. Yeah, I mean, they can't eat bread either, so that's a double negative. Just killing the ducks. <laughs> so we'll, we'll go into that another time. But just, yeah, I think if a lot of people do a little bit, we can make a big impact on how much crap is left. It all adds up. In the environment, yeah. Anyway, so off my uh, my kayaking tangent and back to what we can do. Yes, so those are more like go out and be active things. But we've been talking a lot about habitat uh, habitat change. I mean, that's a complete other episode. We've been talking a lot about habit change. Yes. Just really fundamental things that we need to do differently as society and individually. And it's... It's a lot to do. Like there are plastic-free challenges you can do where people yes, try and literally don't do, you know, don't use any plastic for a week or a month or whatever. Mm-hmm. We're not saying you have to do that. Like if you can, fantastic. Like well done you. Send us we your pictures. You. Totally. Or send us your tips. But just the everyday things you can swap out. And I was having some quick Googles. Other search engines are available. <laughs> And in the interest of balance, <laughs> I literally found so many things you can do differently. So there's websites for pet supplies and pet food and pet toys that plastic free, plastic free toiletries, um, toothpastes, deodorants, plastic free child's toys. There's a really cool one, um, which are alternatives to Lego. It's identical to Lego, but it's wooden. Oh, it's so sweet. Oh, I love that. I know. I mean, Lego is fantastic and it's Lego is also one of those things that I suppose people hang on to a while. Yeah, I'm fairly certain my parents my still have my Lego. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that, I mean, I'm not saying Lego is like a pollutant, but you know, every little helps, right? I love the idea that one day when I eventually have kids, they could be playing with like wooden Lego. Yeah. That's so sweet. It's really I sweet. I bet it still, still hurts if you stand on it, but that's my main problem with Lego. Just other pick than up the Lego after you're done. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> What's wrong with you? But uh, so, Charles Toys, uh, a company that specialises in selling toilet roll just in paper packaging. Who gives a crap? Dot com. I Who love gives that. a crap? Yeah, that was it. I wasn't sure if we're allowed to say that on air. Oh, I don't sorry. Know. Well, that was a brand, so. But sorry, yeah, that's fine. Uh, a company in Cornwall that does uh, they sell chocolate bars, but in biodegradable packaging. There's a company that Ooh. sells crisps in non-metallic bags. Because do you remember there was this uh, thing about walkers? Yes. I mean, it was not plastic. It's more the uh, it's plastic and also the fact it's got metal inside. People so People were can't posting be Walker's packets back to Walker's yes. through the Royal Mail. That was it. Yeah. Uh, so there's companies that do crisps, other companies that uh, will literally do food shops. So if you want to avoid plastic in your food shop, depending on where you live in the country, yeah. you have to have a little look. Um, you might be able to get an entire food delivery sent to you or oh, parts great. of food delivery. Or so, like there's one website I found. I'll post a link to that one as well. And it's like uh, homeware and 
stationary and that sort of thing. Oh, nice. So what I'm saying is if you want to make a change, next time you go to buy stationary or think I need to buy some toothpaste, I need to buy some new shoes, just literally search online, say plastic free, blah, 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 and then see, see what comes up. Yeah, we're kind of thinking that we're not expecting or asking everyone to make immediate huge changes across their entire lifestyle. Yep. But something that certainly Lloyd and I have adopted is when one thing runs out and we need to replace it, we then think about what the alternatives are. So it happens in a very like step-by-step, one-item-by-one-item process. It's not like we're making a huge, huge changes. Yeah, so it's just moving down the list, aren't you? And then eventually you'll look back and you say, oh, I've got... 10 things now I've swapped out in the last couple of months. Mm. And it's become second nature to go to that shop, that supplier, yeah, to find things. I've gone a bit mad for bamboo stuff. Oh, nice. So my bamboo coffee cup, obviously, is a staple. My two bamboo coffee cups, because I keep losing them. Um, they're with me at all times. I've got a bamboo toothbrush, which is quite nice because you don't even need to, like, recycle it. You can, if you've got a garden... You can literally just put the wood of the toothbrush in the, in the ground and it can do its thing, which is quite nice. Because bamboo is fast growing, right? I think that's, you're saying to yeah, me. Yeah, that's the point of bamboo. Like a lot of uh, products are bamboo because it grows so, so quickly. Um, I, I did very, wonder why bamboo in particular was... Yeah, it's a very option, sustainable yeah. resource. It's, uh, it's um, One of my friends has got bamboo in his garden and it is an endless battle because he doesn't want it there. It's crept in from like a neighbour's <laughs> garden. And it just sounds like he is constantly clearing bamboo because it well, can't grows he so quickly. He can monotonize it and sell bamboo-based products. Maybe he could. Maybe he could. I'll let him know. Yeah. If not, then I'll take it off his hands. Absolutely. <laughs> not sure what I do with it, but yeah. Suppose if you're after a little challenge, you want someone to start. How about choosing three things in the next week or the next month and saying, right, I'm going to find plastic-free alternatives for that, and just see see what you end up with. It's like send us. Some changes you made. To you, to we will this. post because I listed <laughs> off so many things. There are so many different companies I couldn't really mention all. We'll post as many links as we can to different companies we find. Yeah. Uh, oh, another one I want to mention really quickly is chewing gum. Oh yes. I've only found out recently. Well, it's one of those things. I, it's obvious when you think about it, but I, I didn't think about it till um, I realised I read that there's plastic-based ingredients in chewing gum fantastic now you can't even have fresh breath without plastic (laughs) (laughs) because originally it was made out of this psychorganic rubber thing called like chicle chicle i have no idea i'm gonna take the word for it chicle Um, will go it's like c-h-i-c-l-e chicle and then in like maybe the 50s or something like that it switched over to more synthetic based products Ah. but there are companies where you can buy gum which will not linger for a hundred years and also probably save the council some money from cleaning off the streets Right. Uh, I think Iceland made a big thing of it last year. Oh, really? It's like, maybe it's like Simply Gum or Simple Gum or something like that. Again, you can Google it. And there are a couple of companies I found online. With plastic free gum. Very nice. A couple of other quick things as well we can change. Go. We've sounded off quite a lot about plastic bottles. Yes, we have. What do we do if we're telling people they can't use plastic bottles? Right. A lot of people, myself included have invested instead in reusable plastic bottles, which are great, like a much harder plastic, um, and you fill them up everywhere. And a lot of towns, I've actually... I've got one as well, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of towns are providing, like, refill water stations as well, so that you don't even have to buy stuff. I've got one on campus at university, and it also Bristol tells you how many become... plastic bottles it reckons it's saved based oh, cool. on people, which is quite cool. But yeah, um, there's a few in Bristol, and there's loads. Uh, last time I was in Cornwall, I saw loads in the coast. 
But if you listen back to Plastics episode one, we did mention a few issues with endocrine disrupting chemicals uh, and, and the possibility of, of things leaching out of the um, out of the plastics. And that's, you know, reusable plastic bottles are not exempt from that. That can also occur with them. So I am now <laughs> going to invest in an aluminium one water bottle, I think, because I don't really want to be having plastic all the time. So although they're a, a good example of, of something that you can do to change how much single-use plastic you use, you know, the other options like aluminium and glass water bottles yep. could possibly be better for you as well. Depends on your taste, cool. really. But. Just to perhaps round off a uh, discussion with something I read recently. So BP, the oil company. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we said, like, oil is the basis of plastics. Yes. Or, uh, BP made an interesting report which basically argued that the shift away from single-use plastics is that they said it was it was good and welcome but could have unintended consequences um, and their main arguments were things like if we switch from plastic to say glass or aluminium those things are heavier they take more energy to make in their life cycle uh, and even if they're recycled the recycling process takes more energy what do you think about that the fact that they're saying should we be switching so hard from single-use plastics. Coming from BP, a yes. petroleum-based <laughs> business, I wouldn't necessarily take everything they said to be the be-all and end-all when concerning green I would concerns. Yeah, I would agree with that. And then also, well, the reason I want to talk about this was because it kind of rounds out a discussion about habit change because yes. they are, I think, missing the point in that we're not... In an ideal society, we're not going to switch from single-use plastic to single-use glass. No. We want to switch from single-use to reusing and ingraining that. So things yeah. are constantly being reused. We're taking our containers, wherever they may be, back. And things like glass can be infinitely recycled. They take more energy, but they can be infinitely recycled. And also, hopefully, we're going to switch to renewable energies. Basically, yeah. plastics is part of a wider debate about how to be sustainable. And if we can help reduce our plastic footprint, we can certainly help relieve pressure on other areas. And they all kind of tie in. I think that's a great place to stop. Yeah, because I don't know where else I'm going with that. <laughs> <laughs> just, just for Emma, start talking for the next hour. So there we are. That is plastics wrapped up, I believe. All wrapped up in clean form. All wrapped up in clean or. Beeswax or something. All beeswax wraps, hopefully. <laughs> something sustainable. There we go. So hopefully you stuck with us through both episodes and you enjoyed it. Uh, we really had fun making it. We really did. Yeah, we let really us know did. if you liked the two the two episode format. That's new for us. And we'll do it again. Yeah, maybe five got, episodes. If we've got any. Six. Oh god. Okay, that's quite a lot. Six is a commitment. Maybe may, maybe two. Maybe two. All right, we'll stay with two. But if uh, you really liked it, um, get in contact with us. You can get us on Instagram at. For what it's earth podcast. Nice. Does what it says on the tin. Or you can do the tippity tap email at. Oh, I like that. That was good. For what it's earth pod at gmail.com. Just drop us a line and let us know what you think. Yeah, go on then. And on Instagram, you can see some of our photos. Yeah, you can see because, what we look like. Yeah, you, you can see that see we're that. actually people. And you can check out the studio. We're really just like you. We are. Mostly. We're not just famous voices. I don't think we're famous at all yet, do <laughs> Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll draw this to a close, I think. We'll wrap this um, up. We've gone a bit mad. So We've been sat in the studio for a long time. We really have. <laughs> Bab. Bab.
Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>